Hello, and welcome to Sobercast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting Sobercast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. My name's Jen, and I'm an alcoholic. Um... Wow. Okay, I'm going to stick to the format because I just got super frazzled by all that. Uh, what it was like is, uh, for me, actually, I'll, I'll start with the qualifiers of my sobriety date is June 3rd, 2015. Uh, I have a sponsor. And um, I don't work the steps pro- perfectly, but I do try to work um, the program uh, every day. Uh, I have uh, several service commitments and um, go to s- lots of meetings, as many meetings as I can. And I truly believe that that has made my life like so much better than when I was trying to control my drinking. And I really appreciate reading that um, part of the book, uh, more about alcoholism, because I was totally doing all of that. And where it's like we could um, just increase the list ad infinitum. I could. I was already going through when I was listening um, to Mike read that off. I was like, "Oh yeah," and keep a lot of people around you that drink worse than you do, or you know, the same as you. Um, a bunch of like codependent people have those guys around to like make excuses and enable you. You know, um, these were all things uh, that worked out really well for a long time until it just stopped working for me personally. Um, I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania. Uh, it was very conservative, very white, very uh, cloistered from the world. This is pre-internet, kind of dating myself a little bit. Like, you know, I'm like a 90s type of kid. Um, So it was just like the internet wasn't coming yet, so we were really just isolated. Um, I hear a lot in the rooms about, you know, not fitting in. I definitely didn't fit in where I came from, but I also didn't want to. Um, I kind of pictured myself like this Holden Caulfield, you know, I'm going to like get out of here and I'm going to go on some big adventure. And, you know, of course, alcohol is going to play a part in all of this. And that's what I did as soon as I got the chance to get out of my hometown, come to a big city. um, I did that. And I really identified with um, the like madmen culture. I got a, a degree uh, in marketing so that I could have that be my, you know, way of going through life. It's just like, you know, these meetings and, you know, things like that all day long where you're like smoking cigarettes and you're drinking alcohol, like crazy. Um, and so I just never, I never really, uh, considered it a problem. Like I, I was deep in the delusion of like, I was an alcoholic. Like I had all these check um, check boxes that, you know, it's like, if I don't do this, then I'm not an alcoholic or, you know, like I don't go to the, I don't go to the liquor store every day. Um, I go to Costco every four days and buy the big bottle because, you know, if I was alcoholic, I would be ashamed of doing that. Right. This is the thinking that that's going on in my brain. And it's just, um, it's nuts. So, and so, and I'm going to eat some shit right now because um, I actually came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in 2011. And you notice that I said my sobriety date was June 3rd of 2015. So even though I didn't have, you know, the language, I didn't grab on to this program when I came in the first time at all, um, but the seeds were planted so that now when I, you know, when I came in in 20, uh, 2015, <clears throat> I came in with both hands up like this 
And that's how I've been um, trying to practice the program for the last like three and a half years is like really just be like, take the suggestions, except for not dating in the first year. I tried to do that because I'm going to be an exception, right? You know, I'm going to figure it out. But I got my ass kicked just like every single time I try to do something my way, right? Um, I also kind of wanted to um, just talk a little bit about, um, so I'm, I was raised Catholic, and I always had this idea of higher power as being, um, you know, the, the white guy with the beard in the sky. Um, it was very punishing. Um, it was very like, you know, stay in line and you'll get rewards. You know, do, the, do things that you're supposed to do and you'll get rewarded. And <clears throat> you'll be punished if you do things wrong and you step out of line. And the longer I'm alive on the planet, the less that's really jiving with my experience of how things, because shitty things happen to good people. And I'm not, I don't even have to say it. Look at the president. Like, these crazy things happen to, you know, like, so who knows? Like, that doesn't make sense to me anymore. What does make sense to me is that I keep showing up every day and try to do the best that I can and let the rest of everything go. And I think that that's for me what a spiritual experience has been for me. I'm not, I'm not identifying with um, the Catholic faith at all anymore. I would say I'm agnostic, borderline atheist. I don't, you know what I, so the thing about, okay, I'm going to go off on a little rant. So a, agnostics means that we don't know. And everybody in this room doesn't know for sure. The thing about faith is that's what makes you an atheist. And I don't, I don't have any faith in like, you know, a higher power that's outside of like this room. For me, it's like the connections that I've made in Alcoholics Anonymous. That's my higher power that is keeping me sober. Um, and it's working really, really well. And it's also just working in other aspects of my life. If I do my best to connect with people out there in the world, and I just try to be as loving as I can and as, you know, accepting of everybody as I can be, that somehow takes care of me. So, you know, I don't know if that makes me an atheist or not. I feel like it does because I, you know, it's just so different from what I was brought up with. Um, but I definitely feel like I'm having a spiritual experience in here. And that is like a total change in my perception so before I got sober, everybody was in my fucking way all the time. Everything was an affront to me, too. Like, I couldn't see anybody else's um, point of view or experience. So what AHA has taught me to do is to have compassion for other people who are suffering. Because I, that's the other thing. I thought I was the only one suffering. I was the only one that all this bad shit, you know, just happens to me and woe is me, self-pity party all over the place. But now I can see it everywhere else and I can just get the hell out of people's way and just try to maybe make things a little bit better for myself and for the people that I come into contact with on a daily basis. That's like the gifts of this program and just how my mind doesn't immediately go first to like the negative 
so often. You know, I've been sober three years. I'd say it's like one out of every three times now. Like it was a, it was all the time before. It was constantly like, ugh, ugh, resentment, resentment, resentment. That was my whole day, every day, all the time. And now it's more like I have a little pause, like, uh, oh, oh, yeah, no, they're probably, you know, going through something. Or, oh, yeah, that's that sucks. They just had a, you know, whatever happening, you know. So that's why that's happening. It's not all about me anymore. And so I'm really, really grateful for that. Is that it? Two more minutes. Okay. This is so, so thank you for bearing with me. This is like not the type of meeting that I usually go to either. I usually go to the meetings where if I'm going to speak, I'll be like, good, I'm going to stop early and see what y'all have to say. Like, um, I really like that kind, kind of meeting in AA. Like I like connecting with you guys and like, it's a little bit like crazy that I'm not going to hear what you guys have to say because I really want to hear it. And I hope I see y'all in some other meetings. I know I will see a lot of y'all because I do, but I hope I see all y'all on the, what do they call it? The highway? One minute. The road of happy destiny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you. (laughs) All right, now let's turn the meeting over to our main speaker, Ray. Oh, God. Get it off me. (laughs) Hello. Oh, man. So I have been to this meeting. <laughs> I'm going to stand up because this is a smaller turnout than it usually is over here, though. Um, can you, hello. Let's see. Where do we... Does it matter? Like right there? Is that, cool. All right. Uh, I Yeah, that's so that's the thing is I don't... Uh, um, not to cross talk, but... Um, my sobriety date is uh, June seventh, twenty fifteen. Is this thing working? Okay, June seventh, twenty fifteen. Um, no, yeah, June seventh, twenty fifteen. Um, I first came into the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous. I uh, came in in tw- uh, two thousand and nine, um, and I feel like this thing is weird. Is it? It's going now. It's going now, right? It's kind of doing some weird stuff. All right. We'll just, I'll just keep my chin down like this the whole time. Uh, is it? Gonna, let me see. All right. Like this? Okay. Like this close? Is that too close? Is that better? All right. I don't know. I don't know. We'll just, we'll just hold it like a mic. Hello. Hello. Mic check. One, two. One, two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And beatbox. I used to beatbox a lot. Um, this is this is gonna be recorded for a long. This is gonna be on. This is gonna be on the internet for like ever. This is this is gonna live in cyberspace. This is what you remember me as. This is crazy. I was holding a little mic in an intimate meeting. Um, um, my sobriety day. I first came in. Who was I? Oh yeah, I was a child. Um, was born. Was born into an alcoholic family. That's that was that sucked. That's not good. Um, I came into Alcoholics Anonymous in two thousand and nine or ten. Um, you know that's the thing with alcoholism is it just I it I was like I think when in the in the book when they describe the different types of alcoholics 
They say there's the, the there's like the there's like the hopeless variety that we could write a whole other chapter on, and I was like, that's me. I think that's like for like the suicides, like that's like when you're like that, when you're like they're like okay, the guy just can't stop drinking, and I just I'm gonna die like this. And uh, yeah, I got dark really fast. Sorry, that was. Uh, but um, but that that does say that in the literature it does say that it says it says that uh, it says that there's uh, an alcoholic of uh, the hopeless variety which we could write a whole another chapter on. I'm like, well, what is that? Who is that? What does that mean? Does that just mean everybody? Is that just a, you know, is that the progressed? You know, they talking about it's a whole chapter on like the the the, the end of like the end the end life of people with this disease. It's like later later stage alcoholism. And, uh, you know, and I was, I was 20, uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was 29 or 28 and I, uh, was a waiter at a, at a brunch place. Um, uh, and, uh, I was doing that for about four years and, you know, I just, yeah, it's quick money and, uh, I had a, I could, and then living in Oakland was way more affordable. I had a dope little apartment that I regret ever leaving. The only reason I left was because I wanted to go to the, uh, to the mission to drink more. Uh, all my friends were living there and they, uh, you know, they lived in like a big party house and they were like, come, come live with us, you know? And then I was like, oh, that was, that's a good idea for somebody who already was, uh, had come into AA and failed. Um, so, um, you know, I guess to say that I failed at, uh, holding the mic like this is really funny. This is good. Uh, to say that I failed, it's, 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 that's a misnomer. It's like, it's not, it's not failure if it's a disease. It's like saying, you know, for me, I, I completely comprehend it as a disease. And then the preamble to the, to the meeting, you know, it talks about the, the, the progression of alcoholism and how we try to disguise it and hide it and, and everything we do to make it normal, normalize it, you know what I mean? If I grew up in an alcoholic home, I think that uh, my family, to this day, I'm the only one out of all of my family that's ever stepped in the room of an alcoholic's of, of AA, you know. Uh, it's, um, I, I think that uh, I was also the young, I don't know, I don't know what it is. I think that in, I have a narrative of who I was, and I think that regardless of the narrative of who people think they are in AA or, or growing up or who they are, there's no... There's, there's nothing that separates that narrative from having alcoholism. There's no like, I was the youngest child. I was the oldest child, so I had a drink. I was the parent, so I had a drink. I was the boss, so I had a drink. I was the fucking CEO. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean this uh, you know, I was the, I was, I made, you know, six figures and now I'm homeless. Like, I've heard it all. Like, I've literally heard every one of your guys' stories and, uh, they, they all are just stark reminders of why I'm in here every day. And I go to AA pretty much five to six days a week. Um, you know, I have some skip days here and there, you know, I have, uh, two, I have three sponsees again, um, you know, um, uh, this is really silly, holding this thing, hold on, let me fix this again, maybe this is better, that's better, and, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it's really, it's, it's nothing that nobody doesn't already know, I think that once you have alcoholism, the only thing that I was doing or that I see people that I, you know, I was hanging out with other alcoholics. That's all I was doing. Uh, but uh, unless you come out right out and say it, you're like, yeah, no, I got a problem. I, I need to go to a meeting, you know, like that's like the most famous thing. That's like the thing that we're known for the most is like sitting in a meeting, you know, and it's like people don't, you know, like when you watch the movies or you watch TV, like everyone's just in a meeting. They're like, oh, my childhood. And I'm like, man, motherfucker, outside topics. Like, why are you talking about outside? Outside shit. No, I don't know. Sorry. I was just, I digress. But, um, 
but that's but they're not talking about step work or you know um, I think Neil I think uh, Liam Neeson has a movie where they were like he was like shooting people and they were like talking about the like the 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 step the steps in it and uh, and you're like what does that have to do it has nothing to do with AA whatsoever I have no idea it's called the Walk Amongst the Tombstones or something like that um, it's really weird um, but our representation is nothing what I've experienced. You know, our representation that's not supposed to be represented outside of this, outside of AA is a terrible representation. I think that, you know, having this disease and actually, you know, actually getting a sponsor and having done the steps and actually like trying to do the step work, uh, in order to not die, uh, has, has just allowed me to have a whole different life. I mean, the last three years, I only have three years, solid three years too, you know? Um, and I guess, I guess it's just in order not to jump around too much, I guess, uh, I guess I'll give a, a you know, since I got enough time, Jesus, um, <laughs> I got enough time. So, uh, I started drinking, I guess I started drinking around four, yeah, 13, 14 as when I actually started really, uh, yeah, man, it was just, it was just, there was no barrier between me and partying and drinking. I had no rules. I grew up pretty feral. I grew up with a drug dealer and I had access to drugs whenever I wanted to. And I'm like an artsy, you know, weird kid. I grew up around all these like drug dealers and I did not fit in. I didn't fit in amongst my family, you know, I didn't fit in, uh, you know, but it was really weird. But like, I'm an artsy, nerdy kind of dude and, I had access to, uh, you know, I was able to just, uh, you know, I lived downstairs. Um, let's see. I'm like, I guess I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm talking, rambling. So what it was is I lived in a situation that just, it doesn't, it doesn't, I lived in a situation that allowed me to, yeah, there was just no schooling. Nobody, there was no parenting. Um, hello? I think it just, did it just die? Okay. Never mind. The, 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 the wire is bad. Should I just ditch it or No. Okay. All right. We'll keep going. Man, I used to be, I used to be an underground hip hop rapper for a long time. So when the mic doesn't work, it really fucks me up. Um, it's true. That's a true story. I used to be like, I used to go to freestyle battles and win all the time. Um, I was really good actually. Um, and you would have been really entertained. Um, as you are now. Now it's comedy. It's more comedy than AA. I don't know. Um, if you're new, and this isn't the best share. And if you're my sponsor and you're listening to this later, I apologize to you. Um, but one, one, let's stick to the facts, you know. Like, let's say, uh, you know, regardless of how I grew up, you know, I think how we grew up has nothing to do with the fact that uh, I, am of, I am of a population. Um, this thing is killing me, dude. All right. Just ditch it. Yeah. All right. Uh, alcoholism, as I know it, is I am a one out of ten people, from what I from what I hear. So, unfortunately, there are people in the world that can drink like normal people. I am not one of those. Um, so when I witness somebody, you know, at a restaurant or at a party, and they're able to have one beer and they're able to put it down, you know, I think that they're just trying to conceal jonesing for more alcohol. And that is not the case. Uh, when I have uh, alcohol in me, uh, they call it in the book, they describe it as having the allergy. 
Um, it's really weird because I recognize so many people here. I just feel like I'm preaching to the choir, you know. So that's what makes it really hard. But again, if there's one of you that are new, I hope that that's what this message actually gets gets through to you. And this is what it's all about, you know. We are uh, can be like a hundred of us at a meeting. If it's only one of us that is new, then it's that one person that we're here to speak to, and that's that's something I do thoroughly believe. I think the meat and potatoes of this program is actually understanding that I that I do have a disease. And again, repeating like I was saying, I am of a population. It's really weird because alcohol is still, you know, I was thinking about it, why is alcohol still legal? How is it still like it causes so much damage? How come you can still go buy it everywhere and whatnot? It's because majority of the population can still drink it and things don't go to shit. For me, you know, I think that it decimated my life at a really young age. I had no, I had no chance, I stand no chance. Um, I think that I first noticed the fact that I couldn't drink like normal people or I never hung out with people who drank like normal people, uh, when I was 19 years old and I, you know, and I, I just grew up in party houses, kind of flop houses, drug house, band house kind of deal. That's, that's, that's all I know. And, or it's all I knew anyway. And, uh, you know, I remember we would, we were 19 years old and we would just get the older, older people and the bands that would come through and we would rent out a band room in Santa Cruz. And, uh, you know, all the bands that come through, there were like some older guys and, you know, whoever and be like, you know, we would party, we're 19, whatever. Can you buy us like a handle of Jim Beam or something? And I remember it was like one time when we were like, it was, it was really silly, but I had a moment of clarity where it was like, we were just like, like passing around this, like this handle of Jim Beam. And it was like just a bunch of 19 year olds going, ha ah, ha yeah, like passing like, ha ah, and it was like this really... And I was like, this is really weird the way that we're like drinking like this right now. Like, I get that we're supposed to be like 19 and you're, you know, trying to have fun, but something seemed really different about it. It was like really hyperbolic or really like, it was like, it was just, it was different. And we, we just had a, it was like, we just had the thirst. And it was all like a group of people who had that weird thirst just to, I don't know, it's what you're supposed to do when you're 19, apparently. You know, that some people were in college and getting their degrees and, you know, whatever. It's no perfect journey at that age, but. It just, I just something caught on, you know. Um, I was pretty much like a 24-hour pot smoker. Um, you know, I, I remember I tried to get a job at Target. I was trying to be like, all right, man, I'm gonna go back to school, get a job at Target. I'm gonna like fix my life around, blah blah blah. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna stop drinking and smoking and get in shape and do the whole thing. And I remember around that same time, it was like 1920. I was like, I went to Target, and Target's like, oh, we drug test here. And we're like, okay. And then I was like, all right, guys, like, how long does it take for like pot to like leave your body? And they're like, 30 days. I'm like, all right, 30 day challenge is on. So, so I tried to not smoke pot for 30 days and I'm like, this is fucking awful. Like, I don't know how do people not, I wasn't used to not putting a substance in my body for already since for four, for since four, whatever, like what, six, what is that six years? Something like that. What's the math? Five years, five years. Uh, you know, so that's when I first caught on, caught wind that I was, there was, it was just something was different, you know, and from there on, um, so then I just started drinking a bunch and I was like, okay, well, I, I can, you know, drinking's legal or I'm not old enough to drink, but, you know, drinking leaves your body, alcohol leaves your body in three days. So I'm doing all this math. I'm like, okay, I got 30 days for this and I got three days for this and alcohol leaves your body in this many days. And then I was like, all right, man, I got to like chill out on both. I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. And that did not. And that's when I first understood that I was like, something's up. Like, I know that's not, it's not right. And then as soon as I turned 21, I hit the ground running and I wanted nothing to do with, um, I wasn't smoking pot anymore. I went straight to just cocaine. I was like alcohol. And the reason I involve drugs in my story is because, um, because drugs are in my story. Because <laughs> as soon as I get alcohol in me, all I want is drugs. It's like the first thing I like run to. Like it was with, with, it's with no question, you know, and I don't want drugs. I want, I want that drug specifically. Um, 
you know, and weed was just kind of giving me paranoia and it was just fucking with me or whatever. And then I was like, all right, man, I'm, a, I'm old enough to go to bars. And I've just, I guess I spent the rest of my life at bars, performing in bars, living in, you know, like houses where it was just kind of like rap groups and punk bands. And it's kind of just, I was either in one or the other. And that's, you know, and it was like, if I wasn't rapping over here, then I was yelling over here. And, um, yeah, and it was, and that's, and then Santa Cruz is awful for that kind of thing, you know, it's just, it, it's just like, it's such, it was so like chill, like living, you know, I, this is, everything's cheap and you're young and it was, it was 2000, it was the year 2001, um, you know, so long ago, um, um, that's crazy, man, but that's, that's, those were, those were the moments of realization and I've, and I had a few, you know, a few more after that, I just had, it was just uncomprehensible demoralization after another and weird stuff and putting, putting, uh, putting my partners through just fucking alcoholic fueled weird shit, you know, that you do and traveling to France and getting, uh, buckets of water thrown on you and just like for being annoying and going to insulting people in other countries. I mean, whatever the list goes on we all have a list and, and I did that list and I told somebody all about that list and it's not like a weight that I carry. That's that, I guess I'm talking about the fourth step in that sense. Um, um, yeah, you know, I guess that is, that is the, the beauty. That's the charm of this is I don't have to carry around this guilt anymore because I can look at people in the eyes. I can look at everybody in the eyes and I have, a new found like respect for like human life again, you know, that's famous last words, you know, I, I, I do today, you know, I, I can't, I'm not morally superior to anybody. I don't know. I'm guess I'm going off and do some other shit now, but I, I guess I'm, yeah, I guess I'll just talk about doing, going into the step work. I mean, I went from partying to just, you know, downward spiral crashing, soaking, you know, going into an extremely deep depression I think that when I, okay, so when I first came into Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I had gotten a DUI, I had got out of that DUI, because uh, the drugs they found on me were bunk, so they couldn't charge me with that, so they dropped the DUI, and then they had to drop the narcotics charge, so I was like, God's looking out for me, and I was like, thank you, bro, I know, I was the chosen, I'm the one, I'm the one, you know, and, uh, and so shit like that's terrible because it starts to get into your head. You're like, you're like, I can roll the dice more. I'm like, all right, that's a badass story to tell people at AA meetings now, um, you know. And and that's the whole thing is that, um, yeah, you know, you stuff like that, you know, and just and just being around enablers and being around people who are like you're pissing your pants and people are like, it's we're just partying, man. You can pee, you can pee your peens. We all pee ourselves. It's like that scene in Billy Madison where you're just like. Pee yourself is cool, man. You're just like, all right, I guess that's what I do. I do now. I pee myself every now and then, you know, out of a blackout, you know. Um, I think uh, the blackouts, the blackouts were progressing to the point, and, and that's the fucked up part of blackouts is, um, A, I was drinking less and blacking out more. So I would still have like three or four beers, and I would completely black out, or I can drink all day and not feel anything. And uh, by that point, I've already conceded that I was alcoholic. I was just like... I don't have any personal value to quit. That was it. That was like, I don't, I don't, I'm a piece of shit. So there's no point in me trying to, to, to stop because this is just how it's going to end. And we're like this close, dude. So just keep going. You're a little bit, you're almost there kind of deal. And, uh, and I did have, I had one suicide, uh, attempt sort of, uh, I just told somebody my plan in a blackout. And then he told, he took the bottle of trazodone from me. 
And so then he saved my life. All right, I saved my life in a play, blacking out. God saved my life. Um, and I, you know, and that's the whole thing with blackouts. And here's the shitty thing. The shittiest thing about blackouts is you can be completely engaged uh, in, in doing something and then have no recollection of what you had done the next day. And that is the craziest shit. Because I used to be, the blackouts were at some point where like, I would just call somebody and I'd be like, I'd like just try to, you know, gain my senses and be like, hey man, like, uh, you know, I was like, hey, did I, did I do anything too stupid last night? And they were just like, no, nah, man, you were cool. We were all stupid. And I was like, all right. And then it got to a point where you're like, hey man, like you were like getting angry and like trying to fight people and you're like, and that's, that's not who I, you know what I mean? Like it was like, you turned into like a nasty person where your like demeanor was off and you were like resentful and you had a scowl on your face. You know, like I was just a whole different kind of person. Like, it was just like not good. And then now then that's when people are like, yeah, we're not really inviting you. You're not hanging out no more. And now you're doing weird shit. Now you're texting. Next girl. You know, the list goes on and on and on. So that's uncomprehensible demoralization of the stuff that I did do. Um, you know, and that's the thing is before doing the step work, a lot of that stuff I thought was just me, you know, that's, it's, that's crazy, man. A shout out to the step work. That That's, that's, that's really where the, where it comes about, man. Like, Really? Oh man! All right. Uh, that's really where it comes about is doing in in doing the step work. Um, I think that when I started feeling the change is um, why didn't I want to die? I think that's I think that's first of what I really had to concede was like once I understood that I was like I'm on my way to like a fast track to like a wet brain and I'm like I'm too much of a coward to kill myself. I love that one. That's a common thing I hear in the rooms too. You know, um, I was like, what's my other option? Well, you can just try to sober up again. And so I actually had a pretty good job too. I actually had a job working as a, as a behavior coach for, uh, uh for a mental health institution for, uh, like a, for children. That's a place called Edge. Oh, I, admit, that's a, I don't know what the place is called. Place is called someplace mental health facility, you know. But they paid, you know, they paid they pretty they paid pretty well for these offsite jobs where I, I worked in. I mean, it looked like I needed like I have a BA. I don't have a BA. I don't have my degree. But they just, I just, I don't know. Somehow they were. I guess it's like a job that nobody wants to do, but you should have a BA to do. So then I was like, I'm just dumb enough to do it, or I don't some something something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll just pretend that I can help kids with their math. And you know what I mean? I was like, I don't know how to do fifth grade math. You know, I was just terrible. I, you know, um, chasing down little kids who were just causing a lot of trouble. Kids would reminded me of me. Kids, would, you know, just had you know whatever. Man, they got the stigma, you know, from childhood and stuff. And that was that was my job to take care of them. But that was the first time I was actually relatively proud of like doing like a job and i felt really conflicted because really bad because i was like wow i'm like just i'm barely i'm like i couldn't be present i was drunk i was foggy i was hung over all the time not drunk well i mean drunk from the night before um it just it was all it was all downhill um but i think i don't know you know i think the thing that saved my life was i started thinking about my family i think i started i stopped thinking about myself for like a second and then i was just like well if i die if I kill myself, then it's like, they're just going to be like, well, you know, that was your uncle Ray who just, that's it. You know, like he, I was like, you know, I don't know. It was just this weird thing where I was like, it'd be really, I would have break, I would break my brother's heart. That's what it would be. You know, I really have very close to, to a relative, he's the closest relative I have. And he's the, the most composed and the healthiest person in my life. And 
he was the reason I was like, I was like, no, I would like totally break his heart because there's no reason for me to actually like is how could I put, I don't know. It was just, that's it. That was all it. I was like, I'm going to try to sober up at least if not for him. Cause he's like a smart person. And when I say he's smart, he's emotionally intelligent, you know, like, and everybody, you know, has my, my parents are emotionally intelligent too, but they're, it's a mixed bag, you know? And for some reason, there's a, there's a, me and my brother, we share a relationship where it's the, the, we have the, our, we have the same sensibilities or I, I, I'm his younger brother. So I have his sensibilities and I've, we have a, adopt, you know, we have a language and a relationship and, uh, and I just was like, okay, man, it's like, you can't just do that. You can't just check out. You gotta, you gotta try again, you know? And so that's when I, before I got fired, I was on my way to getting fired. I mean, I was like in, involved in a relationship that was just, uh, was just an alcoholic relationship where the, my partner at the time just drank more, more than me, you know? Uh, she would just was like, you know, we're just day drinking, you know, uh, Jameson and all. It was just, that's what it was. And I was like, I was like, I can't hang with that. I, that person, I can't even hang with that. I don't, you know, I was like, no, I was like, that was it. It was done. It was a, a series of events that also just led to fuel resentments and all kinds of weird shit. And, um, and that was it. It was, I just, I peaked. And so I had, uh, quit my job. And in the state of California, uh, alcoholism is considered, uh, actual disease. So you have a job and you have health insurance. You can actually get, get help for alcoholism. It's not, oh, it's not a woo woo thing. It's not a, it's not in the air. It's like an actual thing that can be, uh, sought. You can seek treatment and you're not going to lose like, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get fired. You know, I did the thing. I quit my job before I got fired and sought help. And I don't know where I got the wherewithal to do that, but it's just, it all kind of, it just, I had enough sense to just be like, you gotta, you gotta do that, man. You can't just have this bad resume. So I went on sabbatical for, uh, for however long it was supposed to take. And I, I joined CDRP in the Fillmore and, um, then I started going uh, to the media, just meeting, you know, AA in San Francisco, and uh, that's where I met the, my sponsor that I currently have now, and I've worked with ever since. Um, I had gone to Harbor Lights, or the Salvation Army has this, like, you know, I was there for a nine month. I was there. I was supposed to be there for only thirty days, and then they kind of cut me a deal. They're like, "Well, you can kind of live in our SLE kind of section," and and I was like, "But it's a really hardcore uh, kind of a it's a hardcore religious program." And I was like, "It's super opposite of you know." And I am not. I'm not a conservative religious person, nor am I a conventional religious person. Or, um, you know, and I was just like, "Man, you know, I still had a lot of the character defects, a lot of immaturity still, um, you know." But it 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 forced me in a position where I was like, "You're," I was cornered. I was like, "I can't kill myself. My dating life sucks." I barely saved my career. Uh, I've been to AA before. I've heard the message of humility. Uh, you understand, you have a grasp, you have, you can comprehend enough of what this program has to offer in order to implement it in your life. Um, you can be mature enough to stay in a hardcore, uh, religious program that I do not, I can, I completely disagree with, you know, but I have to accept help where I can get it, you know, again, more humility. Um, you know, and, Still, you know, when you're, when you're surrounded in a facility, uh, to, for, for curing alcohol and you don't have anything, there's no comfort, there's nothing to grab onto, there's no, 
There's no uh, uh, secondary addictions, drugs. You can't do anything. I got a curfew. I got to be back at a certain place. You know, uh, luckily I didn't have to like hide any of my tattoos or anything, you know, I, you know, I don't know. Um, but I eventually, um, it, it forced me, oh yeah, I got a sponsor. And then I started doing the step works and then, it, you know, it's been a really slow, super slow change in the progression of, of, of who I feel I am today. Um, I actually got out of, I did nine months in Harbor Lights and then I got out and I, I had a situation that was emotionally distraught. <clears throat> he got rejected. Um, and you know, and I was like, but that's just what it is. It's just, it's just like, I don't know how to do life. Like I didn't, I didn't have any parenting. I don't know how to do schools. I don't have any discipline. I don't know how to date. I don't know how to, uh, manage my money. I don't know how to like, relate to people without, you know, putting on this, uh, this show, you know, or trying to convince or lie all the time about everything all the time, like all the time, you know, yeah. Almost compul, compul, not almost, but compulsively. Uh, it's it's really, it's really hard, you know. Um, but I'm super thankful because now I'm willing to accept everything that I, the way that I see the step work is what's what's been extracted from them is, you know, I'll give my this is my version, this is my understanding. So I did I do a fourth step around everyone who fucked me over, right? Whoever I, everybody I'm mad at, you know. And I was like, okay. And then I was kind of left with a couple questions that were posed to me. It was like, okay, well, uh, have I ever treated anybody like that? And it was like, ah, like, okay, where in my life have I done something similar like to that, you know, to somebody else? And I was like, and then within this, me in this talk, uh, and if I've, as the, as the alcoholic, if I was in Al-Anon, uh, which is our, which is shout out to Al-Anon, cause that's our sister program. And that's a direct, that's a direct, that's directly, spawn from AA. So I, I'm big shout out to Al-Anon. I love it. Uh, if I was the Al-Anon, I would be the, uh, qualif- um, I would have a qualifier. I am as an alcoholic, I am the qualifier. So I love it when I don't know, man, I, I love, I love alcoholics. I, you know, this is not, it's not about shaming. You know, it's not, it's not about shaming. It's about accepting accountability. And that was the thing with me that I had to understand was like, I am mad at people who fucked me over where I had no part in it. But as delusional I was for so long, there's no way it would be. That's kind of where the, the the road, the fork, the road, the fork in the road kind of splits for a lot of people. Where the four step is kind of like, oh, it's so scary. I don't want to admit what I did wrong. You're like, yeah. Sometimes some people fuck me over where I had no part in it, you know. And in that case, I'm like, okay, well, I have a decision. Do I want to continue uh, participating in that relationship or? Do I not want to, I want to practice the opposite of what that person do, did to me. If that person took a large amount of money from me or whatever, some kind of, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that to other people. That's something I don't want. So that's a principle that I now get to practice is not taking big chunks of money from people. Um, you know what I mean? Like, like, okay, in my life, I prefer not to do that. Can I say that I'm going to not ever do that in my life? No. With humility, I say I try to, just with my alcoholism, I try to live these principles one day at a time. Um, you know, and I think once it came to the eighth step, you know, once you, once you get, okay, once, uh, once I, once I start going down, down the, the list, what happens is, uh, all of my character defects, I'm just going to the principle of the defects, character defects, I think even is kind of a misnomer. I'm really, what I'm doing is those are now the new principles that I practice are the opposite of the things 
that I don't like that people did to me. Like if I don't like what people did to me, I don't have to worry about it because I don't think I'm going to, I don't want to do that to other people. And then I asked, then I have a list of the things that I did do to people. You're like, oh shit. Like people make a big deal of the fourth step. And I was like, really? It's just like the eighth step is a little bit of a larger deal. Like that shit that I'm like, oh no, I actually did, did some stuff, you know, but I don't confront people uh, if it's going to do more damage. It's like, it's not that big a deal either. Cause you're like, oh yeah, it says right there. If it's going to cause more damage than good, then I, then I probably shouldn't do it. Uh, you know, and in not doing it, I'm also like, oh yeah, now that I'm sober and I want to live sober and continue being sober, I probably don't want to, I don't, you know, I don't have to worry about doing that again. Cause I'm like, I have to, I don't, I don't want to carry around this guilt. I think it's the willingness. And I think it's the whole idea of the relationship with like a higher power is that, you know, in all religions around the world since the beginning of time, there's been some form of confession. And I think, yeah, I can't speak, I'm not a theologian or whatever, but I think from anything from like Buddhism to like alcoholism, there's always some, a sense of trying to, uh, did I say Buddhism and alcoholism? I said uh-huh. Buddhism and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Buddhism and like Christianity and Islam. You know, there's like a form of confession, I think, in, in every, in everything. And I think it's just because I believe, I believe in the sciences. You know, I believe in like, uh, like evolutionary psychology. And I think that there, there is a, there is an organic sense that this, this came about or there is an organic part of this that's, that's, that, that came about, you know. And what I mean by that is that shame was like an evol- I believe that like shame was an evolutionary thing that like kept us all in check before we, before there was like cities and larger, you know, larger, you know, we had to live more people together in, a, in condensed areas. Um, so it had a, we had a, you know, you know, so when I, when I fuck up, I'm, I'm going to carry around that shame, but I don't have alcohol anymore to like, to like feel better, to relieve me of that shame temporarily. I don't have drugs. I don't have enablers. I don't want enablers. I don't want the drugs. I don't want the alcohol anymore. You know, I'm like, no, nah, man, I'm, I'm a fucking cool ass grown up who walks around just being like, Hey, hi, how are you doing? You know, who, how, you know, what's your name? I'm probably not going to remember it, but you know, hi, what's your name? You know, who are you? You know, I, it, it's a, it's a good feeling. And, um, that's where, that's where the, the, the meat of this program happens. And, and in turn, I have to, you know, to keep reminding my, I have a short memory. I have to keep reminding myself to keep doing these, 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 these steps. And then that's when I do the reaching out and you sponsoring. I do the sponsoring, put my hand out, try to speak at meetings, try to do 40 minute meetings. It's a long, it is a long time. I know. That was a challenge. I know. And you had, she had told me, and she was like, what are you going to say for 40 minutes? I was like, that's insulting. Like, you don't think I'm smart? You, you know, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, no, man, it's a lot. This is long. This is, this is long. This is long. Um, so would you say that I was right? I think that I was wrong. I think that I'll say that I was wrong. <laughs> but you guys, um, yeah, that's, that's all I really got. I mean, I, I have, this has been the best three years. This is, I've, I no longer want to kill myself. I am no longer, I'm not depressed. I have antidepressants, like in a glass case, in case of emergency. It's not off the table. Nothing's off the table, first of all. That's, I think, again, emphasis on humility is like, I'm, I, I admit when I'm wrong. Fucking nothing's off the table. I'm not perfect, but I want to, you know, strive for the principles. You know, and really, and really believe it and talk about these things. And, you know, and that's the whole beauty of like fellowshipping is like we like talk about these things at like, hey man, we're going to go fellowship for dinner. Hey, we're going to go smoke a bunch of cigarettes in the corner or vape or whatever, you know. We're going to like, you know, pick up the phone, call people, be like, hey man, what does this step mean? What did this mean for you? Because honestly, this is just my perspective. You know, this is the way this step works, you know, work 
through me and how they work through you will inform you and your life as individuals. And I love hearing. That's what I listen. When I listen to people share, I like listening to how AA informs people's life in their, in, in their, in their individuality, you know, and I get to be the individual. I actually like get to be the individual I want to be now, man. I get to, I don't even, I don't even want to make art, guys. Like, I'm like studying math and shit now. Like, I'm like, <laughs> I like, you know, like, I'm like learning, I'm like sixth grade math. I'm fucking, <laughs> we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Um, mixed numbers, you know, fucking <laughs> mixed numbers, whole numbers, just crazy shit. <laughs> converting, converting percentages, uh, five minutes, we're going to talk about math. <laughs> converting percentages and back into decimals and then, then back into you know whole numbers and I don't know that's probably wrong too but I mean man I don't know three years hopefully I can stand up here you know I'm not a guy with like I don't have like a million obviously I, I, I talk like a guy with three years I don't I don't have a, I don't have 10 years I don't have double digits I don't have nine years or 20 years or 26 years you know but I, I love the people who, <laughs> the people who come up here, you know, and do have that amount of time, you know, and they just sound all yoded out and, you know, they just, they're super got it together and, you know, or they're really honest about where they are in their lives, but they just, they really, they, they exude a sense of like gratitude, you know, and that's the whole thing where you're like, I want to be like that OG and I want to exude a sense of gratitude. And I guess that would, that is probably, you know, again, that is one of the principles I do, you know, I think. Where I try to practice the most gratitude is like, you know, uh, is just in the, in, the, in the rat race, you know. I am a rat race broke guy and I'm just trying to strive and live, man. And, and, and it is difficult out there, you know. Um, but uh, if I'm too broke to live in Oakland, you know, Antioch has a good fellowship. Uh, you know, Modesto, Modesto's got a good fellowship. Fucking... Florida's got a dope fellowship, you know what I mean? Like, Chicago, Salt Lake City's got a dope fellowship, you know, everywhere is, you know, no matter, man. AA, AA is like, AA is like Rite Aid, Walgreens. It's like there's one at every corner and it's there for you and it's accessible and you don't need any money or you don't need health insurance to be here. Shit is 100% free. And I get to experience happiness without any kind of external substance. And if you are dual diagnosis, we got fucking meetings for that. That's fuck. That's awesome. Um, they, they covered all ground, man. If you're, a, you know, everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome, you know. Whether you're atheist, whether you're religion, whether you're conservative, whether you're liberal, whatever, whatever the, whether you're an anarchist, whatever you don't, whatever you, you don't care. If you're indifferent, like you're welcome. The only requirement for membership is a desire to 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 stop drinking. Mm-hmm. Desire to stop drinking, you know, <laughs> like that's it. Like that's it. Like that's that's all you. You don't. That's that's like the bar. Like dude, the expectations are so low. Like it doesn't get any lower. Like you're like no expectations. You can be. You can come in off the straight up off the street, man. You're welcome. You know, we homeless population comes into meetings all the time to get coffee and just to, just to get out of the rain, man. Always welcome. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, you, know, you know, like, yeah, I don't want to make any jokes. That's not funny. But, um, whatever. But, but we're here. That's all that matters, man. You know, that's the thing. The dude with the dude with six figures is sitting next to the dude with nowhere to live. Like, and then they both, both of them, you know, and one was the other at some point probably, and they just switched places, you know. Um, anyway, uh, I hope you got something out of this. Um, this was not at all the share I was going to share in my head. It was going to be glorious. And, 
I think it was, though. I think I didn't fall too short. Anyway, I really do. Uh, I'm very, I am very grateful for my life today. And, uh, and, um, and that's unless I cop a resentment tomorrow. And then, then, we'll, then we'll just do another 10-step or something. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.